Our scripture lesson this morning, friends, comes from the book of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Hear now these words from Luke. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region behind, between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with a skin disease approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? So where are the other nine? Did none of them return to give glory to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, go, get up. Go on your way, your faith has made you well. This, friends, is the word of God for us, the people of God. This week, we are kind of back on the lectionary, kind of not. Um, I looked at the lectionary passages this week and none of them them did anything for me. Um, And so I looked back at last week's passages, and this was last week's gospel lesson, which we didn't touch on, and this, this scripture just spoke to me. It comes to us from the gospel of Luke, and at this point in the gospel of Luke, Jesus is healing again. I don't know how recently you may have worked your way through the gospel of Luke, if ever, no judgment if you haven't, it's fair. But if you read your way through the Gospel of Luke, Jesus just constantly is healing people. It's nonstop. At this point in Luke's writing, Jesus has healed a woman with a fever right after immediately being thrown over a cliff for his preaching. He's healed on the Sabbath after sunset. When anyone who was sick was brought to him and he laid his hands on each of them. He's healed a man with leprosy who fell at his feet and begged to be made clean. He's healed a man who was paralyzed, whose friends were so bold and determined to get him to Jesus. They literally climbed on top of the house and lowered him through the roof. He's healed on the Sabbath another time this time in front of scribes and Pharisees. Jesus has healed and healed and healed. There's a long list of everyone and everything he's been up to just healing wise. And it seems obnoxious, maybe, to list them all. But if we read through the book of Luke, by the time you get to today's healing story, you're perhaps wondering, can we move on? We get it, Jesus can heal people. Is there a new miracle, a different trick Jesus could perform for us? And like, yes, he's Jesus, he could literally do whatever. But the gospel of Luke just keeps talking about healing friends. Luke stays 
in these stories of healing. And that means it's because they're important to Luke. Luke, the writer, wants us to know that healing is central to Christ's life. It's central to Christ's ministry. It's central to God's character. Luke tells us that Jesus is in the business of making people whole. He's in the business of healing. And sometimes in these stories, this wholeness, this healing does involve physical healing. But if we read through these stories and pay attention to them, the truth is that Jesus never just heals anyone physically. The physical healing isn't even the point. Healing for Christ comes with comfort and mercy and radical love. Christ heals people, he makes them whole, and he does so by seeing them. By really seeing them when no one else has dared to see them or invited them in. He heals them to community. In every single story, every time Christ heals someone, he doesn't just heal them. He does a little bit of healing for the world around them. In today's story, Jesus is between Samaria and Galilee. He's in this wilderness limbo space. And as he walks, he finds himself amidst a colony of what we often call lepers. And if you didn't know this, those who have leprosy are not allowed to be in contact with other members of society in Jesus's day. And so they form their own society. They are deemed unclean and they live in a camp together ostracized from the rest of the world. They would live in this camp and obtain food, maybe from family members in the village, but from other people who decided to take pity on them, maybe people of faith doing their monthly good deed. They have no land to till, they have no livestock, they have no property, they are not allowed to work. And so they are people who live literally at the edge in deep poverty, completely dependent on the goodwill of other people. Being a leper in Jesus' time is horribly dehumanizing. And as if it's not dehumanizing enough to have to live in this way, you have to constantly remind other people and yourself that this is your truth. Because anytime somebody would be walking in or out, they would have to literally yell, unclean, unclean, to let people know. To let people know they should stay away and keep their distance and not touch them. These men with leprosy, sitting at the edge of the city, are the first to see Jesus as he prepares to enter, and they seem to recognize him. They keep their distance, and I imagine to some extent, in the midst of crying out, unclean, we also hear them cry, Jesus, have pity on us. When Jesus sees them, he immediately gives them instructions. 
which is to go and show themselves to the priests. And we know that they do. And in the midst of this going towards the priest, they all are healed. Each of them and their unique skin condition, which we would now understand as Hans's disease or psoriasis or whatever thing they're living with that's categorized them as a leper, their skin is cleansed. Or at least it's made socially acceptable. Quite literally as they make their way to the priests. As they walk down the road, not when they get there, not the moment that they leave en route or the moment they arrive at the temple, but in the in-between. They find themselves healed. Ten men leave. And then one of them, as he's on the road in this in-between place, realizes. And he turns back, back towards Christ, praising God in a loud voice. He throws himself at Jesus' feet and he thanks him. And he was a Samaritan. And this is important, friends. Luke wants us to know that this man is a Samaritan because he's not just a leper. He's also a Samaritan. And if you do know or maybe don't know, Samaritans, much like lepers, are also deemed unlovable in Jesus' day. They are foreigners. They are outsiders. They do not worship the same God They aren't considered a respectful part of Jewish society. This man would already be considered unclean for the temple as a Samaritan, and so now he's like two times unclean. He's a Samaritan and a leper. He's on the edge of the edge. He probably experiences his own issues within the Samaritan community as a leper, and then he experiences issues in the leper community because he's a Samaritan. This man doesn't just have some form of skin condition, he's also the wrong nationality. He's unworthy of being in the presence of other people. He is living life at the edge of the edge. He's arguably the most vulnerable of the 10. And Jesus still heals him, friends. Sometimes when we read this story, we think Jesus must be really angry. Shame on these people. Shame on the nine who didn't come running back. And every time I ever hear anybody do that with this story, I get kind of angry um, because Christians just love to be judgy and also say we're not. (laughs) But it's so strange to me the hoops that we'll jump through to turn something into a clobber passage to make us afraid to do anything. And this story is one of those where the church takes this beautiful passage of healing and someone finding community and turns it into something to be afraid of. When the truth is, in the church world, one out of 10 is a pretty good return rate. (laughs) 
If you have 10 visitors and 10% of them stick around, that is like great statistics for the church world. This man coming back is a win in the church world. And when we say these other people who don't come back are bad, we completely miss the point, friends. Jesus does heal 10 people, and whether or not nine people come running back, their life has changed. This one is the only one who on his way to the priests turns back and runs towards Christ. And maybe he's the only one in the middle of the excitement who's even noticed he's been healed. Maybe everybody else is behind. Maybe he's the only one that the idea struck, right? Maybe everyone else is still running towards the city because that's where their family is. That's where their community is. Maybe everyone else is a Jewish person who now being made clean may enter the temple. Maybe these people couldn't wait to get home, to be welcomed back into society that they belong to. And this man... Maybe he turns back to Jesus because even if he's healed, he's still a Samaritan. We don't know the nationality of the other people, but we do know this. This man, as a healed person, still wouldn't be welcomed back into the society that is in front of him. He wouldn't be welcomed with open arms. Even with clean skin, the temple wouldn't want him there. This man, we don't know what his family looks like, but we know he's a foreigner in a foreign land. The joy and the thanksgiving this man offers in this moment to Christ is a joy and a thanksgiving for the only person he's ever found, at least in this space that he's in, who's willing to welcome him. Maybe he turns and runs back to Jesus because that's the only safe place to run. This man's life has been changed, friends. He has been physically healed, yes, and beneath that, he's been spiritually healed and valued and seen for the first time. And with a society in front of him who wants nothing to do with him, who wouldn't run the other direction? Back towards God, back towards Christ who welcomed you. He throws himself at Christ's feet, offering thanksgiving. And I am someone who doesn't tend to read the scripture in Greek. I'm really sorry to disappoint you on that one. Because I wasn't required to do it for ordination, and therefore I didn't. But also, I took Hebrew in college, and that was bad enough. Languages are not my spiritual gift. But I did learn this week from a friend that the Greek word which is used to describe how this man prostrates himself at Jesus' feet, to describe the way he thanks Jesus, is eucharista. 
That, friends, is the same Greek word that we use to just derive the word Eucharist from, meaning communion. The word that is used to describe the joy and the thanksgiving this man offers to Christ in this moment of healing is the same joy and thanksgiving Jesus offers when he breaks bread and he pours the cup. It is a holy turning. It is a deep welcoming. It is a homecoming. In the same way this man, this Samaritan former leper, experiencing being healed and turning back to Christ, turning back to a place where he knows he will be welcomed when no one else would welcome him, perhaps, we are invited to turn towards the table, friends. To experience the act of partaking in communion together. Because whether or not, when you leave these walls, society welcomes you, or it exiles you. Whether or not other Christians call you beloved or tell you you are bound for hell. No matter what, when you leave these walls, the table is still a place you can turn back to and approach over and over again. At least the open table is. Our table is. This building hopefully is. Cannot speak for other churches. Friends, the act of communion, the act of Eucharist, at its core is meant to be healing. It's meant to be a place of wholeness and seeking transfiguration. It's meant to be a place of turning towards a place where all people are safe, where all people have the opportunity to run and be embraced, to be seen and valued, to be healed to one another. As I mentioned earlier, Christ never heals for physical reasons. He always heals to bring people together. Whether it be nine people who now have the joy of running back towards the people that they've been separated from, or whether it be healing one person into community with Christ themselves. Christ always heals with the intention of community. He never heals so that we will be alone, but he always heals so that we'll be better together. He always heals in ways that make us uncomfortable. Because he heals in ways that, I don't know, are itchy. Like a fresh wound when it's healing. He heals in ways that just make us cringe a little sometimes. Because we don't know how to live in that way. He heals us so that we have to sit at a table with people that we just don't want to sit with. He heals us to realize that those at the edge of the edge of the edge, that those of different faiths and of different nations and of different places are people Christ heals to. 
Praise God for that goodness, friends. As we continue to gather in community together, I'd like to invite you to join me on page 12 in your hymnal. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who lovely, who lovely, who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.